glad you're here this morning. And uh, this is one of those messages, I feel like I say this a lot, but it's okay, um, where it seems so simple, but yet is such a great truth from Scripture. And often this is uh, a passage of Scripture that gets left at a surface level and people miss the point. Even preachers will often preach about the feeding of the 5,000 and make it seem as though it's about God supplying our earthly needs, which is me just totally missing the point. As Prosperity Gospel uses this a lot, tries to say God's all about your earthly needs and filling your bellies and He wants to bless you. And He does want to take care of you, and He does. Often our what we perceive as needs are not really needs, but it's often left very surface level, context is missed. I mean, because Jesus himself, as we'll see in here, even says, um, if you go to the John 6 account, he just says, they missed the point. They just, they missed it. I mean, talking about the disciples, he says they missed it. And, and thus, maybe why it had to be repeated in chapter Mark chapter 8, this is the chapter 6 version, but um, different stories. But, it, but it's an interesting perspective Mark gives us as we're in this series. We've talked about a lot in the beginning of the series through the book of Mark about uh, the beginning, the early days of Christ's ministry on the earth and what we've been hearing God say over and over through uh, these messages has been about evangelism mostly. Um, about multiplication, the spreading of the good news of Jesus, preparing the apostles to launch the church. That's, that's, we, we know what's coming. They didn't know what was coming. But we see it, and we see where Christ is preparing them for what they're going to do to take uh, to launch the church, make disciples of all nations, that, that they'll be the start of that. And today, um, I want to get into this story right into the main issue, uh, which I've already done as to why we don't get on board with that mission fully ourselves. And it's a real struggle that's explained in today's text. So I don't know about you, okay? Um, but does anybody here struggle with, I want to follow Christ and obey. Man, I want to I live the adventure He has for me and the mission, the purpose, find my completely just live to spread the gospel to everyone I can, and yet, when daily life comes, I get caught up in all this stuff that's going on, and taking care of my family, and making sure, all of a sudden, my, I get this focus shift to being concerned about being more earthly secure than following Christ. Anybody, anybody else struggle with that? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm, okay, I'm glad I'm not by myself on this one, or that would have just messed up my whole sermon, okay? Um, I want to follow Jesus fully, wholehearted, without reserve, but then I look around this world, and there's this reality of living here that is such a pull. Now, with that struggle in mind, over the past 20 years in, in ministry, I have I've listened to this guy, you guys hear me quote him a lot, named John Piper. There's a bunch of guys I listen to um, that seems to shift from time to time to where I'm listening to this guy a lot, I'm listening to this guy a lot, and this guy a lot, and it comes back around. But um, 
as I read this story, it clicked with me uh, of the hundreds of sermons of his I've listened to. There's like this this theme over and over again, and I've heard him say it different ways, like at the Passion Conference one time it was, you know, what what is at the root of what makes you happy, of your joy? You know, that's what you got to get down to is at the bottom of everything, what really brings you joy? Um, and so there's different ways he's put it. Um, it but there's just, just this one thing, but he's done it in many ways, explain this biblical teaching so clearly uh, from so many different scriptures. And it's quite amazing, the whole point of it all. So right up front, I want to give you this quote um, about the main point of the text we're in today. We're, we'll be in Mark six thirty-three through about 44. I wish I had time because the John 6 account, that whole chapter, even though it's different stories, is about Jesus and the bread, okay? It's about the, the bread, okay? So you get into Mark chapter 6, there's some of that stuff that's this couple of little parts, not in Mark 6, it's in John 6, but even the walking on water afterward is not about Jesus walking on water, it's about him as the bread, it's, and that's where he talks about it and even says they don't get it, okay? So we'll get to that, but I didn't include that in the here as far as what we're going to read, but Mark six thirty three, feeding of the 5,000, this is in... Uh, Matthew 14, Luke 9, and John 6, all four Gospels report this story. Not to be confused with the feeding of the 4,000, okay, which takes place in Mark 8 in the region of the Gerasenes, as we looked at the guy, Legion, cast out of him last week. Back near that area is where the feeding of the 4,000 take place, around the Decapolis, uh, as we mentioned. But the feeding of the 5,000 is a different place, um, in, in Jewish territory, there's a significance here to some things that just, I don't even have time to go that way, but just want to mention them to you so that you see uh, the significance of this, but you know, maybe do some research on your own. But the feeding of the 5,000 takes place in Jewish territory before going to the Gentile territory for the feeding of the 4,000. We talked about last week, the guy with the legion cast out, he gets sent back into this area of seven different gods. Um, that were worshipped there and, and all these things that happen and, and uh, he becomes this guy that evangelizes that area so you end up with all these people out there wanting to see Jesus, okay, as we talked about. But it's interesting, he, he does this miracle in front of the Jews and then to the Gentiles, okay? If you understand a lot of things about Scripture, about the Gospel, about how things play out from Old Testament all the way through Revelation, it's cool that First to the Gentiles, and a cool thing about this is at the end of this story, where he's in, in with these people who are in Jewish territory, there are twelve baskets of of food left, one for each of the disciples. Okay, very significant in him providing for them. We'll talk about this. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Providing for them as they do ministry, right? Showing them, hey, you're going to pour yourself out but I'm going to take care of you. You know, even though you're going to give and give and give sometimes to the point of frustration and burnout or whatever it is, but I'm always going to come in there and take care of you, okay? From that to the one in, with the Gentiles where there's seven baskets left, which in Scripture, as we see numbers have meaning sometimes, is the, this number of completion, so not just to the Gentiles, but to the 
or to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, so this completeness of the gospel, this picture of it for all people. But you can study that on your own for lack of time today uh, if you want to get into that type of stuff. But there's a lot of significance. When I read Scripture and I see those things, I, just for me to say that type of, of correlation among different authors over different periods of time throughout the Bible, and you see all these things that match up, is not something that man could pull off. It's just impossible. And so for me, when I read these things and I see these correlations, it just says to me that, man, this is certainly inspired by God, that man just didn't come up with this stuff. But today takes place near Bethsaida to clear that part up. That's where it is. But John Piper made this statement, which I think gives us proper perspective on the story today. He says this, He says, here is the main point. Now, he's speaking of John 6 account, same account as Mark 6. So, but he says, Jesus did not come into the world mainly to give bread, but to be bread. Okay? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. John 6, 35. He repeats himself in verses 48 and 51. He came into the world not to give bread, but to be bread. Now, he certainly cares, depart from this for a minute, he certainly cares about our bodies and those kind of things, but this is just temporary here. Okay, there's there's physical resurrection coming that, you know, where he, when things end, there's, there's all kinds of implications for us. We are made in His image. That's significant, not just emotional, not just insides, but physically. We are made in His image, and so therefore, there is there, He cares about us physically, but He cares more about our soul than He does our physical, much more. So, John Piper goes on to say, secondly, He did not come to be useful speaking of Jesus, but to be precious. He says, oh, how many Christians receive him as useful? Or another way to put it is, Jesus Christ did not come into the world to assist you in meeting desires you already had before you were born again. He came into the world to change your desires so that he is the main one. You get that? And to further explain, he says, now he does not care about, now he does care about bread, I mean natural bread, he cares about your body, he just doesn't care about your body and your natural, and the, and the natural bread mainly. That is coming, when all that's taken care of eternally, that is coming just on the other side of the grave. There is going to be a resurrection someday. No more mourning, no more crying, no more tears, no more de- depression, no more sin. Only joy on the new earth, under the new heavens forever. That is coming. He cares about the body. He is going to raise the body from the dead, make you young forever, handsome forever, forever, healthy forever. Does that sound good? Like that. But, but we hear that and we go, sign me up for that because Jesus is so useful for that. Right? We've got to be careful. Rather than, I just love Jesus. And that being the point. 
handsome forever, healthy forever, so that you can enjoy him in the fullness of your humanity. That's coming, but that's not the point of this world, this age that we're in, okay, to default to my dispensationalist viewpoint, okay? That's not the point of this age. Another way I heard Piper put it in another sermon is that people often come to Jesus just to get what they want, just using another means to try to get it. You know, instead of playing the lottery, I'll get this prayer cloth from these people on TV or I'll send in my $100 because they say I'll get 1000 back. If I just press the right ATM buttons on, the, on God's teller machine, then I can get the cash kicked out, right? If I just obey right, if I just do certain things right, then I'll, I'll get it. And it's just, and what it is is saying it's same desires you had before you say you were born again, just trying a different way to get it. And that's not the gospel, okay? It's like same hotel, just a different bellhop to see if I can get him to get me what I want because I'm not getting it with this one. Same meal, just got a new waiter or waitress to see if they can deliver it better. Get me more. And that, that is not salvation. That's not new birth, okay? But yet I think it's at the heart of what's going on in people in America, especially here in the United States, Wanting the American dream and prosperity and good blessings, but just doing the Jesus thing to try and get it that way instead of, or in addition to the other ways we try to get it. Just adding a little Jesus to their life to cover all the bases to make sure they're covered, right? Jesus doesn't play that game, okay? He just, he just doesn't. So let's read this story with that in mind. Um, I'd suggest that you go read the other accounts, especially the John 6. I'd read all of John chapter 6. It just gives you so much insight into this. But And read in Mark 6, even beyond where we go, um, just so much good stuff that correlates to what he's saying. Remember, the Bible is context. I mean, it's so much context. And sometimes we get this story. We miss the walking on the water, which is, is directly related to this story. John has a, another part that's directly related to the story. The whole thing is, you know, you have John 6 has that story about the feeding of 5,000. Then there's like 70-something more verses about him being the bread of other stuff. I mean, okay? So context important, not just throwing out a verse and making a point that's off out of context. Okay, so Mark six thirty three. I'm going to read through 44. It says, The people saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate. They must have been in Watford. And it was already quite late. Sorry, Thornhill, Washburn folks. I know you're like, okay. But it's, it's they're out in some desolate place. Washburn's pretty, pretty desolate. Um, already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Five loaves, two fish. 
And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. Now notice in this, it's not Jesus doing this, it's not the people coming and getting it. He's, the disciples are the ones ministering, he's giving it to them, and they're taking it to the people. Okay? Why hundreds and fifties? I don't know, that's Jesus' instruction, sit them in groups. They did that, maybe there's some significance there, I don't know. Somebody will tell me after this. I don't know. Okay? Didn't get that far. But he, but he's dividing them up, putting it in these baskets and giving it. And we're not talking about like, you know, here's a basket. Take this. To, I mean, these were more than likely the, you know, the round, a round-handled, bigger basket, okay, that they were carrying stuff in. And they've got these baskets from people and start using them to, to divide up and, and take this to the people. So he's doing it through the disciples. Jesus doing it, dividing up, but he's using them to minister to the people. Okay. So he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking to heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up twelve full baskets, full of the broken pieces and also the fish, there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. So there's at least 5,000 people here, right? It's 5,000. This notes the men because that's all it's important, right? No. It's, it's a cultural thing. It's a Bible thing, okay? Um, don't worry about that part. But we know there's at least 5,000 men. And you should, again, you should read all of John 6 because it, it's where it really makes some statements about understanding Jesus as the bread. He, he says it. He says that in doing this, what he's doing, in doing this miracle with this bread, is he tells them over in John account that it is a sign. He's doing this as a sign. The miracle is a sign. And what does a sign do? It points to something, right? And so the miracle with the bread is just a sign that points to the real bread, which is Jesus. But so many of them miss it because they're stuck on earthly stuff and they got their bellies satisfied, okay? So get this where we're going, okay? John 6, in there, verse 26 and 27 says, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So he's like, you looked and there was the sign, but you, but you, like this, you just saw the sign, and you took in the bread, and you never saw what it pointed to. You, you come after me not because it pointed to me, but because you were hungry, and you got some bread. It says, "Do not work for the food which perishes." You can make your own understanding there. I don't have time for all this but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him the Father God has set His seal. This talking about with Jesus, what's going to happen, there's providential will of God there that's just going to happen. He sealed that, right? Okay? For what, who He is and what He would do. Okay? But there's food that perishes in this story, 
and there's food that's eternal life. So the, the earthly bread stuff is just, that just goes away. We're all going to physically die. Okay? That old saying, preachers like to use, statistically still, one out of one people die. They do. Okay? So all this is going away one day. So there's, there's an eternal food which endures to eternal life. It's talking about Jesus because the sign pointed to Jesus. Okay? And the people experience this miracle, and they get so excited about the bread. I mean, you can imagine in their flesh getting excited. I'm hungry. And, I mean, I just get, I get excited just to go to Smucker's Donuts to the trailer, and he hands me one. I'm like, free donut, right? For, free donut for the pastor. It's, like, exciting because I get to do that every now and then. That's my reward after doing good for, like, a month, right? So I can imagine back here and get, being hungry and... Somebody breaks out fish sandwiches for everybody, right? Good deal. And so, in their flesh, it caused them to be satisfied in their bellies, and and they missed the point. And Jesus isn't pleased with it. I mean, you you can read it and just tell. He explains here that they were seeking after him, these people kept coming after him simply because he was useful. Jesus is a great tool for me to use to get what I want. I need bread. I need to be healed. I need money. I need to, We need a king. Man, he would make a great king. Let's take him and make him king because then he'll be able to serve all of us and give us all this stuff we need because he can just make it. What a great king he would be to serve us. Right? They just totally missed the point, okay? Why why do they want him to be king? So their bellies would always be full, not because they love the king, right? And we look around this world and we look for things to serve our needs, our wants, a doctor to serve us like we want him to service us. If not, we'll get somebody else to do it. A school to serve our kids. If not, these days you can find another one. A job that meets our expectations, serves our expectations, fulfills us, pays us what we want. If not, we'll find another job. Friends who serve us, validate us. If not, we'll just find other friends on Facebook, right? Makes no sense. Okay. And on and on. A president who will serve us, a, a government to serve us, a, whatever it is, whoever meets my needs, that's, that's whoever can be useful to me, I'm going to back that. Right? And so, sometimes, given our culture, we can look at Jesus that way. I'm just, especially in the Bible Belt, it happens. People just, it's, it's what everybody does to fit in, culture, business, whatever it is. And it's, a, it's an East Tennessee thing. Man, you go to, if you don't go to church, you got to play golf and go to church and you can do good business, Right? They just see it that way as a useful tool. They just they just see it, the whole thing. And it's if he is king, then we serve the king, if that's Jesus. Jesus the king is our treasure that we long for. We long for him, not the stuff we can get he can give us. We treasure him above any treasure he could give us. Jesus is not looking for disciples who simply see him as useful. Isn't it so much easier to see Jesus as your treasure when you don't have anything? You don't have anything else? 
right? It's why God will often take people to their lowest point so they can really see it. Often Jesus will take what's in our hand away before we can truly grab onto him. Okay? Now in this story it says that Jesus was given the five loaves, two fishes, and he gives them back to the disciples, multiplied to give out to the groups of people. Can you imagine the faces of the disciples as they keep going back? And he's like, here you go. Right? And 5,000 people. You know how long that would have taken for 12 guys to serve 5,000 people? Right? If you wait tables somewhere or work at a restaurant, you can, you can understand this, right? Because you freak out when the restaurant's full or whatever, right? We imagine sitting there waiting on some food, right? We get frustrated at the down home on Friday night, right? Imagine what they were going through, okay? It's, can, you, can you imagine their faces as they go back, though? The 12 disciples distribute the food to the people, and after they keep distributing and keep distributing and keep distributing, and everyone eats, 12 baskets left. Okay? I've already alluded to this. 12 baskets Jesus calls the twelve to give food out. It's interesting that Jesus often would call them the twelve, right? like the magnificent, like the magnificent. Can't even say it. Magnificent seven. Okay. One more cup of coffee, and I've been able to say that. Okay. Magnificent seven. Right. It's like it's the twelve. Right. Imagine them on the hillside with the long coats and big hat. You know, the boots. It's the twelve. They didn't really wear that. Okay, that's not a biblical point. Just hope y'all know that. Okay. The twelve, and he calls them. And time, each time they come back, they they have to be a little discouraged each time. Going, how long can this keep going? And they get tired, and it wears them out to feed five thousand people, right? I mean, we used to do trunk or treat here. We seventeen hundred people came through the last time we did it. Everybody's wore out the next day, right? So imagine five thousand people, twelve just twelve people doing this, okay? But they got to get a little discouraged each time, maybe at least wondering how they're going to pull this off and feed all these people, right? Wouldn't, I mean, we would too. But yet they keep going back with their baskets, and there's always more. And maybe there's somebody sitting here today. Maybe this, this is where this is at. Is you're struggling with where God has you. You're struggling with what God's called you to do. You're struggling with your earthly position and things. You're struggling because things wear you out every day. Your weeks are tough. In the midst of that, ministering to people, you wonder, am I making a difference with people? There's discouragement. You just think, I can't endure this life that Jesus has me in. Or maybe it's just simply, I can't handle the, the challenges of life that I have right now. But Jesus says there will always be enough left for you when you're with me. You probably won't get rich. Okay? Not wrong if you do. That just means you're responsible for more. To do more, right? Jesus wants to do more with that. But you probably won't get rich. But you'll at least have a basket for yourself to take care of you at the end of the day. Jesus looks at you as an individual, just like he did the disciples. The 12 disciples, 12 baskets. That tells us he cares about the individual. 
He cares about you personally. It's not just this grand scheme of things, right? Even though that's there as well. So the story in that says to me, he's looking at us going, I know what your need is. And there will be enough for you today. And then tomorrow, I'll give you another basket for tomorrow. And another basket for the next day's needs and the next and the next. Philippians 4.19, right? And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And that may not play out exactly how we think it should. Remember, it's not that He's useful, right? The needs may not be what we think the needs really are. We sometimes think things are needs that are really just wants. They aren't needs. And really might be distractions from following Jesus. And I would say this, you don't really, you and I both, okay, don't really know what we need, truly need that Jesus does. That's why we have to have faith and trust Him. Look, I've said this so many times over the past month, okay? I try to plan things. I try to plan my week, plan my day, right? When something happens with the kids, some other thing comes up, got to go to the doctor, right? Let them free stuff off your face, whatever. Didn't plan on that. You, you Dispatch calls, right? 2 a.m., thanks, Hannah, right? There, there's all kinds of things that happen, and it messes up your day, messes up your week. Like we make plans, and it just never works. Anybody in that boat with me? You, you just plan. Does any? Let's do it this way. Is there anybody in here that everything you planned last week, timing, what all you were going to do, all of it worked last week, every single part of it? Right? Why not? Right? Things just never go the way we planned. But if I didn't, and here's the thing, if I didn't trust God, if I didn't treasure Jesus above those plans, if I didn't, if, if, I, if all those, above all those results, I, if I didn't treasure Him, you know, if I, if I didn't treasure Him above all those results I thought I'd get from those plans, you know, because that's where it really comes to, is I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. I didn't get out of it what I wanted to get out of it, right? But if I didn't have that faith to trust Him and, and just love Him above all that stuff, it would be so easy to get down, to get discouraged, to want to quit, to get burned out. Right? I would have gave up a long time ago. I promise. Some of you know and understand that, right? If I didn't, if I didn't trust him and just, I just gave up, right? And here's what's crazy. Right after this, okay, Jesus makes the disciples get in a boat and go out to sea, and he stays back, right? He's like, y'all just, y'all go, and he stays and dismisses the people. And, Right, And they're out there, and they get about three miles out, and a strong wind kicks up. And this is the story right after in, in Mark 6, if you read past verse 44. Okay, And so they're out there, and this strong wind comes up against them. And they're out there, and they're thinking, I mean, they had just seen Jesus do this, right? And give them the 12 baskets, like... They'd just seen this. 
I think it's, I mean, you, you understand, it's, to me it's intentional. Jesus sent them out there and says, man, they still, they didn't get that, so maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll get it. Like he's trying to think of ways to help them get it, right? He's got his plan, so he sends them out there. And they're out there and they get scared, and they're like, okay, we're out here by ourselves. What are we going to do? Jesus is not with us anymore. And Jesus walks on the water out to them. And seeing their fear, he says to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then look at Mark chapter 6, verse 51. Okay, we'll look at it. 51 and 52. It says, then he got into the boat with them. Okay. Gosh, I don't have time. And the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the incidents, incident of the loaves. You see what's saying? Like, this is about what they've just done. And Scripture says, not the disciples didn't even get it, but their heart was hardened. They had, they had gotten their fill and neat miracle, and I've got my basket, and they step back. And, what you know, we talk about truth. God gives you a little bit of truth. You either step into that truth, into that light, or you step back and it gets a little dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and eventually your heart may get so hardened that you just can't see it anymore. That's a scary place to be. What's saying here? Man, they just went, hmm, I'm full. That's nice. It says they, they didn't even get it, right? And not just Jews to the Gentiles, but I think there's that's another reason why he's like, Okay, I know it's coming up. I'm going to try it one more time. Chapter 8, right? Two different scenarios. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. It's not full of errors. It's two different stories, okay? But even this part of the story of him walking on the water is about Jesus as the bread of life. That's what it's about. It's not about him calming the storm. It's, not, it's about him being in the boat with them and them treasuring him and trusting him, right? Even this part of the story is about Jesus as the bread of life. Jesus is trying to tell them, even if I have to walk on water, I will be there for you. Right? Even if I have to calm a storm, I will. Right? Even if I have to take something away from you for you to treasure me, I will. Even if I have to take you to a place of desperation for you to see me, I will. And listen, even if I have to hang to death on a cross for you, I will. That's Jesus. There wasn't just enough bread for the 5,000. There was a basket for each of the 12. And they missed the point. Like, And we can read this and so easily I can just be so crazy about it and be like, they missed it, can you believe that? It's like, if I'd have been there, I'd have probably missed it too, right? So would you, right? It's just like, but they missed the point. It was a sign, a lesson for us. Jesus is enough, period. Even if you starve to death in this life, if you're in Christ, it doesn't matter, right? If you're in Christ one day, it doesn't matter, right? Right? You guys understand the health problems, a lot of people going through it. I was, making, I was thinking of Larry Goodwin and Hugh and Lou and all these, these folks, Diane, that's going through all these things. One day it doesn't matter for all of us, even sitting here, any of us. It doesn't matter one day. As long as you're in Christ, 
doesn't matter. If you see Jesus as the ultimate prize, if you love him above anything else this world can give, and he calls, then he calls us, when we treasure him that way, to use the life we have in him to store up treasure in heaven to make an eternal difference in the lives of people and don't have to live for food that perishes. Don't worry about more money, more praise from other people. Right? We should... Listen, we're to use stuff and love Jesus. Don't love stuff and use Jesus. Okay? I mean, I mean, the deal with Jesus walking out there on the water and getting in the boat was to say, if I'm with you, and if I'm with you, it's okay, because I'm what's important, not that bread. You can be in all kinds of trouble. But Jesus says, I, but with me, it's all, it'll be okay. Invest in your faith that causes you to love Jesus more and more and let go of this earth and its stuff more and more for His sake. Everything you invest in, the cause of Christ, makes an eternal difference. Okay? Isn't this all so simple? Like, I know there's... Like, when I say that kind of stuff, I'm sitting there going... There's some people out there going, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I've been in church all my life. I hear, yeah, I got this. Yeah, the feeding 5,000. Yeah, I got this, right? But then all of us raised our hand at the beginning and said, I struggle. I struggle. Right? Everything you invest in the cause of Christ makes an eternal difference, and you will be rewarded many times over after this life ends. That, and that's rewards multiplied for eternity, not just riches that end one day here. So that's as, that's as simple as I can get. I, if I had more time, right? I don't know why. I keep, it keeps ringing in my head because I want to say it's simple yet satisfying. So I think of like the Lion King when they eat the bugs because yet satisfying. Okay, sorry, that keeps ringing in my head. There you go. It's better than an 80s song reference, right? Okay, so just cut me some slack on that one. Okay, and that's just that's to me that's the message. It's simple. Yet Jesus is so satisfying more than anything else we can find in this world, and it really is simple. But but our flesh and this cursed world and all those things just so war against our souls. So I'm hoping. You'll get in a small group because I'm hoping those questions are really challenging that we put out there for small groups this week. Okay? We'll maybe lead you some, to some things that will help you in dealing with seeing in yourself these places I'm more into this and I need to be more over here. I'm, I've been dealing with my belly and satisfied and security here on this earth and how do I shift some of that? Maybe that's something you all can talk about in your small groups, okay? If you're not in a small group, you can come see me afterwards. I can get you hooked up with that. Um, so let's just pray. I, my prayer, is Jesus truly your greatest treasure? I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. 
at the bottom of everything and see what satisfies you so you can let go of all this. Like, your worry goes away when, when that's Him. When He's the treasure, not the stuff. If He's not your great, greatest treasure, and maybe today you see the error in that, maybe you just turn to Him and, and you want Him to be your greatest treasure. You just surrender your life to Him. It's, it's, you just turn. That's this big word, repent, in church, right? You just say, here I am lead, leading my own life. I'm king of my life. I'm lord of my life. Really entrapped in my sin. I'm trying to satisfy myself, find purpose, identity, validation. I'm trying to find all these things myself, and I'm looking for it in all the wrong places. And so today, maybe you see Jesus and the ultimate treasure that He is because He died on the cross in your place for your sins so that you could have eternal life with Him forever and be with Him. He's the treasure. And so you just turn from yourself and you turn to Him and say, Jesus, You be King. You be Lord of my life. I want to follow You. I want, I, I want to do things for Your sake, not for my own, which will one day be gone. You just turn to Him. Say, right now, best I know how, God, I just give myself to You. I surrender. I love You. I thank You for dying on the cross. You just have that conversation with Him. Maybe you're here and you're worried about your needs. Let's just do this real quick. If you're here and you have been, like I'll put myself in that category, if, you're, if there's things you've been worried about, earthly things, enough money for something, a car, the house, the job, the kids, all, all those things, which it's good to worry about your kids as far as soul-wise goes, okay? But you know what I'm talking about. If, there's all, if you're worried, you've been worried about some stuff, maybe you just acknowledge this morning and say, God, I've been worried about it, but I want to I trust you more. I see you as my treasure and I know it'll be okay. Maybe you just raise your hand just for a moment and just say, that's me. I've been worried about some stuff and I just need to let it go. Thank you. Maybe by lifting your hand, you just open your hand, you just let it go to Him, right? That kind of thing, symbolically. Thank you. Thank you. Right? Thank you. God bless you. Right? So that... Right now, I just want to pray over those people. Maybe some of you didn't raise your hand, but there's things inside. And so, Father, I just pray right now that for those that are worried, that they would they would grow in their faith. They would trust you more. They would see you clearly in the midst of what has clouded their view. They would see you and they would trust you. They would find joy in, in knowing you are taking care of them. Yes, they would be diligent and do the things they need to do, but they just do they just hand out those baskets, Father. I just pray they would just do their part and know Jesus will do his. They'll just obey. Get in there and love you, Father. I know they'll see at the end of the day, you'll take care of them. Father, would you give them a peace in this moment that, that goes beyond their circumstances? That thing your scripture says is a peace that goes beyond understanding. If they're really yours, if they're really born again, I pray their desires 
changed, they have changed or are being changed. There's some things that just have to get worked out of us, but above all else, Jesus, you should already be at the top. And so I pray, Father, they would just lean into you, see you as their greatest treasure, and know it's all going to be okay. May they know that you will go to great lengths to provide for them what they truly need. Ultimately, that's spiritually. That's eternal. Father, others maybe need to find a way to start using what they have to make an eternal difference, to, to, for things to be useful and for you to be loved more rather than them loving their stuff and using you as useful. Maybe, maybe there's people here that just need to to use more of who they are, their time, talents, their treasures for your kingdom causes. Would you just speak to them and how they're to do that? And so we thank you, Father, that you love us enough to send your son Jesus for us, to teach us through your word, to show us these things from scripture. May we not miss what the signs point to. May we not miss what the Bible points to. May we not miss your son Jesus. He is the greatest treasure ever. We, the greatest thing we can ever do have is to experience a relationship with you, Father, through your son Jesus. So I just pray we would make that our priority. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.